The Fight Show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free bet. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We'll support you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. We'll support you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up today at underdogfantasy.com with the promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use at Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the Google Store or the App Store today. So when I started my career in, uh, in, the, in the MMA, it uh, was really fast. After only uh, six months in MMA, I did my first fight, TKO for the belt. After only uh, three years, I'm fighting for the belt in the UFC. This is a, an interim belt, but this is my ticket for the champion, Francis Ngannou. To me, I'm going out there to fight for um, the real belt. It's not interim champion, I believe it's the real belt. Because we are fighting in my city, so I'm all about the belt now, baby. Let's go. You will see the black beast come out of me. Making his way to the octagon heavyweight contender, Derek the Black Beast Lewis. He has that break-your-face-open type of power. One shot from Derek Lewis can put you to sleep.
You are listening to The Fight Show. This is your UFC 265 preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. You can follow me on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. I am the host of the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Soccer Gambling Podcast because the soccer season starts next week. We are releasing three future future shows this week for the Bundesliga and two for the EPL. And then on Thursday, we begin the EPL show, which returns to the Soccer Gambling Podcast. The following week, it will be the debut of Serie A, beginning with a Serie A preview early in the week, either Monday or Tuesday. Then, of course, the EPL show again in its second week on Thursday, along with the debut episode of the Serie A show. Yet to be named, it won't be called the Serie A show. We are looking for or thinking of a name for it but just to let you know there is going to be a ton of content there is no better time to subscribe than the start of the season to the soccer gambling podcast also check out my website lockbetting.com where i've just guided my clients to their 98th month in a row of transparent track profit blasted the euros in june and just blasted the Olympics in July. Just wrapping up all of our futures plays. USA Basketball coming through for us this morning. Took them off the back of their loss against France, where the odds reduced from minus 400 to minus 180. Jumped on that. Parlayed it with the USA women's team, just waiting for that. But we have hit a ton of futures, a ton of winners with the Olympics, and we already look on our way to the 99th month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. But you can still sign up here for the service, because August is the best month to sign up. It is the start of our financial year at lockbetting.com. We we uh, we track our year from August to August, and we do this because August is such a pivotal month. It's when we put out nearly all of our futures, beginning with the uh, soccer futures for all of the European leagues, Bundesliga, Serie A, EPL. It all gets put out in August. And then at the end of August, we have the NFL futures as well. We always ask for a little bit of a bigger bankroll to have available here because you are looking at laying down a lot of futures. You're looking at... Um, so at 17, 18 weeks for the NFL futures to come through and then around 40 weeks for the soccer futures. So it is a long-term investment, but it's a long-term investment that hits at over 80% on the service and makes up for a large percentage of the profit, the unit profits for the year. So make sure you sign up for August. And then in September, we have the Champions League and the Champions League futures as well. So the soccer season is up and running. The NFL season is just five Sundays away. There's also a load of other content Content from other sports, including tennis, including WWE, including MLB, where we've lost just one one unit play all season. And of course, combat sports, which includes the boxing and UFC, which we're here to cover here. UFC 265 preview um, main evented here by Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gunn. We look at the odds here for this one where Gunn is the one to three favorite with Derek Lewis here available at five to two. The method of victory market here sees Lewis at seven to two via TKO KO, twenty five to one submission and fourteen to one via decision. Cyril Garn is available at six to four to get this done via knockout, ten to one via submission, and seven to four here via a decision. Looking at the over under markets here in the total round markets, over one and a half rounds is two to five, under one and a half rounds is two to one. 
Over two and a half rounds is four to six minus one fifty. Under two and a half rounds is six to five. Under three and a half rounds is four to five. Over three and a half rounds is ten to eleven. Under four and a half rounds here is four to six. And over four and a half rounds here is 13 to 10. Fight to go to distance is available at 13 to eight with fight not to go to distance available at one to two minus 200. I think that represents a lot of value on the fight to go to distance because I do see a possibility that it does. In Cyril Garn, we're looking at a very different type of heavyweight. We're looking at a very patient fighter that won't be um, looking to engage in a tear up here with Derek Lewis because that looks like Derek Lewis's only route to victory. Now, Lewis has defied the odds on many occasions in his UFC career, but it seems Garn's style is tailor-made here to beat him. And um, we'll talk more about why this is an interim fight in a minute. I first want to analyse how I think it will play out. Um, with with Garn, he's built his success around um, respecting the natural power of the heavyweight division and not engaging in these tear-ups. And uh, coming up here against Lewis, he may be the most threatening of them all. But when you're neutralising strikes at this rate, with his strike defence of 63%, Garnet isn't getting hit here or he isn't being hit by anything significant, which is why he's been able to ride an undefeated streak here up until this point. He's a fighter that you can trust to employ patience and hesitancy against any knockout artist while they while they gas out or get frustrated. So he will take them down here with his own shots, with leg kicks and with takedowns. So I, I like Garnet uh, here, sorry, to get it down, to get it done in the latter stages of the fight, possibly rounds three to five, but the points does appeal, as does the over. Um, and this is down to the combination of the fact that he's a cautious fighter. We've seen four of his last five UFC bouts reach the third round. So for, for Garn, there's no rush here. It's just a case of banking those rounds, hitting your leg kicks, hitting your takedowns, avoiding those strikes at a 63% rate and letting the opponent wear himself out before Garn can look for a finish or possibly win this on the scorecards. So I, I'm not looking for this one to be um, ended early unless Lewis is motivated by that hometown hometown crowd, goes all in. Garn is phased by that hometown crowd and he's hit with something. And if you're hit with something with Lewis, you will stay down, which is why there's values on both ends of the spectrum here as far as um, Lewis outright in the outright market or Lewis via knockout, which I think is his only route to victory, which the market clearly indicates with him being 7-2 to two by TKOKO, 25-1 to one submission and 14-1 to one by a decision. That is absolutely clear. Um, that there's only one way he's going to win. So you may as well take the knockout there. Whether he can hit or not, it remains debatable. For me, won't. For me, I'm going to ride the 63% chance that, that Garnier avoids those strikes and um, and ends up coming through with a victory. I keep uh, saying Garnier. It's, it's Cyril Garn is how you is how you're supposed to say it here. I don't want to be um, Sean. I don't want to Sean Green this name up, but it's uh, Cyril Garn if you were saying it properly here in, in the in the accent. So that, that's his name. Get used to it because he's going to be a big player in the uh, heavyweight division and could be the interim heavyweight champion at the end of this. Now, the interim part, I think, is now borderlining on the ridiculous. Interim used to mean something here in UFC. In this instance, it's a little bit ridiculous here. It's being used to set up a potential unification fight for a division that doesn't need 
unification. Francis Ngannou is the clear heavyweight champion off the back of beating Sipe Miocic. Now, this is funny because Dana White had some big issues with Miocic, and now it seems like he has problems with Ngannou as well. Ngannou couldn't make the date for this fight. So under normal circumstances, what do you do? You put in another fight here at UFC 265, and you uh, and you get Ngannou to defend it on 266. No, they didn't. They instead put this fight in, which is, should be a number one contender's fight, but it isn't. It's an interim fight to determine the interim champion with a unification fight later on down the line with Ngannou. That, to me, seems ridiculous that you can't just do a standard number one contenders fight and and have replaced it with a title interim when there's no injury to your champion. Previously, an interim interim status would be implemented when somebody was injured for a long period of time. You know, you're looking at six months to a year. You would install an interim champion in that time and you would do the unification later on down the line. That's where it made sense. That's where it had some dignity and validity but in this instance it doesn't have that because all that simply happened here was the real champ Francis Ngannou couldn't make one singular date and you've put this fight instead instead of making it a contenders fight which it should have done they've desperately wanted something relevant on top here a big title fight or a fake title fight to to main event this card uh, so that you can do the unification bout down the line look I personally wouldn't recognize any of these guys as a champion and Ngannou's the champion you could put interim around it all you want but to quote Ric Flair uh, to beat a man you need to beat the man and Francis Ngannou is the man um, but I, I legitimately think that Cyril Gunn has an opportunity of being that man and getting through it and, and, and beating Ngannou I think he has a better chance than than uh, Daniel Cormier did. He has a better chance than John Jones does because John Jones doesn't look like he's interested in a fight. John Jones doesn't even look like he's interested in fighting. He's disappeared off the face of UFC at the moment. So, so Garn, I think, can seriously get it done and I look forward to that fight, but he needs to overcome this obstacle of Derek Lewis in his hometown. He's going to be swinging full of fences. It's going to be a dangerous fight to take. If he's hit, he's out. But if he avoids that hit at the 63% rate he's managed to so far, implements his strategy of being patient, which is going to be kicks and takedowns, wearing this guy down, he can get the finish late on. I like this one to go over two and a half rounds. Um, and uh, I-, I like for Garnet to-, to-, to get this done late on. Um, the knockout price here for, for Garnet will appeal in play. So what you could do here is sit on a two-to-one play of Cyril Gunn to win via a decision at the start of the fight. Take that two to one, shop around for that two to one. I quoted it as seven to four, but seven to four is not too much different than 13 to eight, which is the fight of uh, the price for the fight to go to distance. So you want to get a little bit more value between fight to go to distance. Yes. And Cyril Gunn to actually win it via a decision. So shop around for that two to one, sit on that for the, for the fight. And if you see that Derek Lewis is wearing down, take the in play on on the stoppage in rounds one to five for, for Cyril Garn at a better price than six to four plus one fifty because Cyril Garn probably isn't going to look that dangerous here in the first one or two rounds, but he will bank those rounds. I do think he'll bank those rounds because if he hasn't banked those rounds, that means Derek Lewis has knocked this guy out and uh, obviously that'll put an end to everything. So Cyril Garn, um, I think we'll get this done via a decision or in the late rounds. So start with your decision play, watch the fight play out and see if you want to hedge out or, or, or take a, um, or take a hedge play. So it's difference between hedging out completely and taking a hedge play um, 
I, I'm not here to explain the differences between that here on on this particular show, but but hopefully you guys understand what I'm saying here on Cyril Garn. But the safest play will be the over two and a half rounds here in this one, which is available at four to six minus 150. I do see this one reaching the championships rounds as it has done consistently with Cyril Garn's fights, his recent fights for the last five UFC bouts have seen the third round starts. So over 2.5 here for me with Cyril Gan coming out as the winner. Up next, we move down to the co-main event here on the show with Jose Aldo making his return to the octagon here. He kicks on Pedro Munoz. Aldo here is available at 10 to 11 with Munoz also available here at 10 to 11 in this one. It's 4-1 to one on Aldo to win this via knockout, 18-1 to one via a submission, and 7-4 to four via decision, which does appeal to me here. Uh, Munoz at 5-1, to 9-1 to one via submission, and uh, he is 21-10 to 10 via decision, which also appeals to me here, given that this is a three-round fight. The over-under market here is clear. Under two and a half rounds is available at 13 to 8. And over two and a half rounds is available at 1 to 2, minus 200. With fight to go to distance, yes, 4 to 6, and no 5 to 4. So they clearly fancy the fight to go to distance here. I would certainly not be taking the over two and a half rounds. I would always advocate riding out the extra two and a half minutes, given the price differential of 1 to 2, minus 200. And uh, four to six minus 150. So fight to go to distance. Yes, I think will certainly be a play I'm looking at here in this one. As for who actually wins the fight, Jose Aldo is edging ahead as a marginal favorite in some places, but I don't think that's sharp money. I think that's um, recognizing the name Jose Aldo here in, in a high spot on the card and people putting money down on him. It's, it's clear that Jose Aldo's not been the same fighter since he was knocked out by Conor McGregor. And that was a long time ago because Conor McGregor's now not the same fighter as Conor McGregor. So that, that says a lot about where Jose Aldo's at and how long it's been since he's been a top fighter here in the UFC. Now, he took advantage of the hesitancy of Chito Vera and secured the decision win in his last fight. So he is on the right track. However, coming up into this fight against Pedro Munoz, this is a much tougher task because he comes forward and pushes the pace early on and often against an Aldo who's a fa- who's a fading fighter and is obviously nowhere near his best and unable to keep up with the pace that Munoz is going to set here, in my opinion. Uh, the best way to beat Aldo is to pressure him, or to knock him out like McGregor did, but usually it's to pressure him and get him fighting off his back foot, which puts him in a defensive position. And off the back, you can get him down and secure takedowns here, and Munoz has the skills to do that. And um, this is a good stylistic fight here for Munoz, given the fact that Aldo is a fading fighter, given that Aldo does struggle against the pace, and he'll struggle even more at his current age. Look, this isn't a fighter who's going to make any kind of amazing recovery and go on a wing street here. Aldo is is fighting for respectability. Aldo is fighting, hoping that he can go out there and secure wins on his contract. Yeah, there's going to be losses along the way, because this isn't the same Jose Aldo. But how Aldo is looking to do enough to stay relevant, to not embarrass himself, to not put too much um, damage on the Aldo name so that he can continue to get contracts. Because, look, as much as he is a known fighter to, to many... Jose Aldo's payouts are not going to be the same as Conor McGregor's, Ronda Rousey's, Brock Lesnar's, John Jones. Aldo isn't that level of fighter in terms of name value. Aldo won't have those big payouts under his name, other than the fight that he took against Conor McGregor, where he was knocked out 
early on in the fight, 10 seconds in, actually. So that's a big embarrassment, and that's something that Jose Aldo doesn't necessarily want to be known for. But unfortunately, the win streak going into that fight is almost overridden by the fact that McGregor knocked him out so early, and that bothers Aldo. And it bothers Aldo that he never got that rematch against Conor, that he was confident that he'd win. I'm not sure he would. I think that punch changed him completely, and we saw a different Jose Aldo from that point. But we've seen Aldo make recoveries. We've seen Aldo sneak in wins, but it's not the same Aldo that went on the win streak before, and it never will be. But it's difficult for me to say that Aldo has declined to the point where he has embarrassed himself since that loss. Yes, since the loss to Conor McGregor, he has lost more than he's won. He has lost five fights out of the last nine. So he's won four and lost five. And after that McGregor fight, there was a good bounce back against Frankie Edgar, but then there was two back-to-back losses against Max Holloway, both via TKO. And this guy has been on the receiving end of three TKO losses since the TKO loss here against Conor McGregor. But I don't think we're going to see a TKO TKO loss here. I think we're just going to see Pedro Munoz being able to outwork Jose Aldo here. And uh, whenever I see a 50-50 fight with the modern-day Jose Aldo, I will take the other fighter. But let's let's talk about Pedro Munoz, because Munoz isn't the, 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 the younger fighter here. They're both 34 years old. And we're talking about it like this is a young man versus old man contest. For me, it's just a case of miles on the clock. He's a very different kind of 34 for me uh, with only having 24 fights, 19 wins and five losses. This is a different kind of 34. He doesn't have that damage. He doesn't have those miles. He doesn't have those psychological hurdles to overcome. He's looking at Aldo as an opportunity, whereas Aldo's looking at Munoz as a fight that he should win in a spot where he can he can secure further fights on the main card, especially on pay-per-view cards as well. So it's important for Aldo to maintain his spot, whereas it's important for Munoz to to really get the standout win here in this one. And this would be a big win for him. And I think he'll get it. I think he'll get the win here on the scorecards. Obviously, as I stated at the top of analysing this particular fight, my best fight, would, my best pick would be for the fight to reach the distance. Um, that's better than the over two and a half, which is at one to two. The distance is at four to six minus one fifty. Ride those extra two and a half minutes to get that value there, because I don't think anybody's stopping anybody in this fight. If you look at the losses here on on Munoz's record, as of late they have been high level. Um, split decision against Frankie Edgar at uh, UFC on ESPN back in August. And then, of course, uh, Algerman Sterling at UFC 238. Uh, Sterling currently out at the moment. He's got wins over the likes of Cody Garbrandt. He's coming into this fight off the back of a win against Jimmy Rivera. So he's in decent form. He's only had high-level losses here. He's not a a usual 34-year-old fighter, is what I will say. Um, So... For me, I think he'll get this done. I think he'll get this Aldo Aldo scalp on his record here. And I think he'll get this done on point. So Munoz will be my pick with the fight to go the distance here in this one. The final fight I'm going to look at here is Michael Chiesa versus Vincente Luque, where Michael Chiesa is the... Even money underdog here with Vicente Luque here available at four to five. Method of method of victory market sees Michael Chiesa at nine to one to win this via TKO KO, five to one submission, and nine to four via a decision. With Luque at three to one with the knockout TKO, um, five to, uh, ten to one sorry sub, uh, for submission and. 
11 to 4 via a decision. Sorry, I, I butchered that. Um, total rounds market here sees the over 2.5 at 4 to 6 and the under 2.5 that 11 to 10. With the fight to go the distance, yes, 10 to 11. And no, 10 to 11 here as well. This one should be a interesting fight. Uh, one that I could see going to the scorecards unless... Michael Chiesa can secure the submission here in this fight. And that's what he'll be looking to do. Uh, Luke's path to victory here will be to implement uh, calf kicks, debilitating calf kicks, because they are vital in slowing down his opponent and creating a stationary target where he can look for a stoppage or he can just use those kicks to keep Michael Chiesa at bay and grind this out on the scorecards. But that's going to be easier said than done here against a Michael Chiesa who's got a massive advantage on the on the wrestling front here. So he too has a path to victory via a decision and even via submission here in this one. He's on an unbeaten streak in the weight class against a battle-tested Luke. I look for Chiesa to close that distance and not be put off too much here by these leg kicks. I look him to ride that, close the distance immediately and engage in a clinch where he has a massive advantage. If Luke turns this into a boxing match, he can win. But if Chiesa can out-hustle his opponent and get him down to the ground, I think he wins it by doing that for the duration of his fight and possibly even getting a submission while he's down there. So what you could do here if you have the market available there are double chance markets available where you can take Michael Chiesa to win by two different methods. I'm eyeing up the submission or the decision here. I'm not looking for Chiesa to win this via knockout. Um, the books aren't either because he's available here at 17 to 2 or, or 9 to 1 even. Uh, in most places, to win this by TKO KO. So rather than taking Chiesa at even money, you can get 6-5 to five plus 120 for him to win via the two methods of victory in the, in the um, double chance market, which is the submission or the decision, because that's how I see Chiesa getting it done. And I'm surprised to see him as an underdog here. He's, he's on a decent win streak. I don't think Vincente Luque will be the man to stop him. So I'm going to take Chiesa as a dog here to get the victory, and I think he'll get it done via a submission or a decision as he closes that gap, implements his wrestling uh, and does enough here to either take it on the scorecards or find a way to um, implement a submission here later on in the fight. I think a massive price here would be a method of victory plus time of victory. So round and method of victory. If you're looking at Michael Chiesa via submission in round three, that's available for you here at 25 to 1. So have a little sprinkle on that because I have a feeling that could be the time where the submission gets hit. Round three, Michael Chiesa via submission, 25 to 1 for a, a little sprinkle play here for you in this one. So that concludes your UFC 265 preview. I think the next time we'll be doing a fight show will be UFC 2, uh, 266. And then, of course, we have the Anthony Joshua fight coming up against Alexander Usyk, which we'll also be covering here on the fight show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. As I said, I am the host of the Soccer Gambling Podcast. I have a ton of content coming out. It will begin on Sunday with a Bundesliga preview. In the middle of the week, we'll have two parts of an EPL preview. And then the EPL show starts again at the weekend. And the following week, Serie A preview, EPL show again, and the start of the Serie our show still to be named that's all over on the soccer gambling podcast over on lockbetting.com let me reiterate we have 98 months of consecutive track profit in the bank that means i haven't had a losing month for over eight years 99 is already looking secure after 
destroying the Olympics. I have a ton of futures cashed already in the month of August, so unfortunately you missed out on that. But it's not too late to sign up for the month and get all of the futures plays for the soccer season. We haven't posted a single future yet. We're still waiting to put out our plays, and we're going to do the same at the end of the month for the NFL. August is the start of the financial year. There is no better time to sign up. You may have missed the Olympic plays, but don't miss the futures for the whole season that hit at over 80% over at LockBetting.com. That's it for me and the Fight Show. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.